Welcome, welcome, church family. We're so grateful to be gathered today all across our region, along with the friends that you've invited to be a part of this service this morning. You know, prior to March 15th, we were one church gathering in three locations, but today we are one church gathering in thousands of locations, really all around the world. And I want you to know that although we are not gathered under one roof, we are gathered under one name, and his name is Jesus Christ. And today, what a joy to worship together and celebrate the goodness and greatness of God. I want to especially welcome our brothers at Darrington who are joining us for this service on Wednesday night. We miss you. We can't wait to see you. We look forward to when the restrictions are removed and we can be back in with you and celebrate life and the glorious news of Jesus Christ with you. Um, this week has been so amazing. So much ministry has taken place in our church and through our church, especially through our Hope Initiative. And I've got some pictures I want to show you right now. But this week, you, our church members, were a part of blessing over 3,100 families here in the Fort Bend region. 3,100, well over that. It's remarkable that this week you served, you gave, you volunteered, and blessed these families. We even delivered flowers to the elderly and some widows in our region just to let them know we love them, we care about them, and we're with them in this journey. Yesterday night, last night, we had a, a drive-through distribution center at our Richmond Rosenberg campus, and I'm so thankful, so proud to be a church that is serving even in these times. Now, we're six feet apart, but we are still serving those in need today. So thank you for your generosity and your part in making that happen. It's amazing that uh, seven weeks ago from today, we began this journey of going through James chapter 1, uh, a journey called thriving in a hostile world. It still blows my mind that God would allow us to step into this journey through the scriptures way before we even found ourselves in the, in the middle of a global pandemic. I think God was getting us ready. James here is writing to a scattered church, which we are right now. And he is teaching us how to endure trials and how to overcome temptations and overcome sin. And he has taught us how it is that we, we reach out to heaven and ask God for wisdom when we do not know what to do or where to turn to. And James has taught us that we are to form our attitudes about life, not based on our circumstances, but based on who God is to us and on who he, we are to him who he says about him, what he says about himself, and what he says about us. And last week, we took a look at that verse of, of be, be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. And this morning, as we are joined together online, we have, we've come to another powerful passage of scripture in James chapter 1. Now, there used to be a time in history where you had to actually wait for the news to show up on your TV screen. Like there were certain hours of the day that news was seen. There even used to be a time where uh, you had to wait for the morning paper. Now, if you're under 20 or maybe in your 20s, you may have never seen what a newspaper looks like, but this, my friend, is a newspaper. Actually, yesterday, I got this from my local Circle K, and I went to buy this, this newspaper, and the lady at the counter said, are you buying this newspaper? Like, she was so shocked, and I said, yes, ma'am, and she said, I, I, I've never sold a paper before. I don't know how to do it, and I said, I've never bought a paper before, so let's just figure this out together, but there used to be a day where you had to wait in the morning for the paper to arrive. 
life for us to see what the news was. But of course, those days are far behind us. Today, you don't need to wait on the news. You're bombarded with news 24-7. We're constantly scrolling through our phone and, and on our social media feed or on your preferred news feed. There's constant, immediate news. Now, that can be good in the sense that we're constantly updated with what's happening in the world, but that can also be dangerous. Why? Because bad news never leaves your mind. You're constantly thinking about what's wrong in the world and you just can't seem to get away from it. And guess what it does? It drives up our fears, it drives up our anxiety, our worry. We're constantly stressed out, wondering what bad news awaits us next. It was the Swiss theologian, uh, Karl Barth, who said this statement. He said, every day you need to take the newspaper but you also need to take your Bible. And you need to interpret your newspaper from your Bible. Interpret your news app, your preferred channel, whatever that might be. Interpret the news through the lens of the scriptures. Because yes, we need both of these things. But the dangerous thing in this season to do is only listen to current day news and not listen to the word of God. Yes, we need both, but this gives us current day news while the word of God gives us the eternal news of God. This is information, but this, my friend, is inspiration. This gives us statistics and daily trends, but it is the word of God that gives us perspective, insight, and revelation. So let me ask you to do a quick internal survey this morning. Out of everything you've heard this week, out of everything you've listened to, which of these has been your primary source, your news app or your social media app, or the Word of God? Where have you gleaned understanding and inspiration for, from? Which of these have you devoted your time to? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Which news are you listening to? Which news are you listening to? There's two headlines running at the same time, two sources of information. While we need both, we all the more need to be leaning in to the word of God. I've heard it said that one of the greatest use, if not the greatest use of social media or Facebook, Twitter, your news app, whatever it might be, the greatest news of social, the greatest use of social media would be to one day prove that the lack of prayer and a lack of reading God's word was never due to the lack of time. Isn't that true? The greatest use of social media to one day prove that the lack of prayer and lack of being in God's word was never due to a lack of time. Look, I believe that in these unprecedented, unprecedented days that we're living through, God has something to say. He is doing something unique. He's inviting us to listen to him. And it is through his revealed word that we get to hear the voice of God. Max Lucado, a couple of weeks ago, he said it so beautifully as he often does with the words, in describing what we're going through, he said in this season, God is talking to the world, but he's testing the church. God is talking to the world, but testing the church. God is saying to our world, come to me. Life is brief, life is fragile. Entertainment, the economy, all of your other things can't fulfill you, but come to me, I'll never fail you. At the same time, he's testing the church 
testing us to see if we will truly believe in him and trust in him and be full of faith, full of prayer, full of boldness and be the church in these crazy times. Will we be the church of Jesus in these moments? But to know what God is saying and to see what God is doing, we are invited back to the heart of God in his word. And this is what James is driving home in our passage of scripture today. So let's go to James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. It says it like this in James 1, 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Then God will bless you for doing it. James gives us two things in his word today. One is a posture by which we come to the word of God, and the other is a result of what happens when we come to his word. So let's look at the posture by which we come to the word of God. First of all, James says we must have a clean heart when we come to God's word, a clean heart. James 1 verse 21 says it like this, so get rid of all the filth in your lives. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Now, I grew up uh, as the youngest of four siblings in a family of six. Uh, we had a pretty big family, and in our family, you know, we didn't have a lot of discretionary funds to, to vacation and go on trips. We've never been to Disney. In fact, we were finally planning a Disney trip with our kids three weeks ago, and then, of course, coronavirus happened, so we couldn't go. But our idea of a vacation was going to a relative's funeral or wedding. All right, and staying an extra day uh, on the front end or on the back end. That was what vacation was for us. And we had family that lived all around the world and around the country, especially in Oklahoma and New York and Canada and Chicago. And we lived in Tennessee. So it was quite a bit of a drive to get to some of these places. But we drove everywhere. I mean, we were a family of six. We didn't quite fly, but we would drive everywhere. I remember we had this purple Plymouth Voyager. That was our van, this minivan. Yes, I love that minivan. But we bought it new and we drove that thing until it couldn't drive anymore because we would travel the country. And uh, I, I remember our, our road trip. It was so amazing. My mom would be seated in, in the middle seat and I would be in the back of the van and, and she would have you know, all of these uh, boxes of food and snack and she would carefully ration them out for all six of us. But me, being the youngest, got a little extra of whatever she was dishing out that day. So it was a pretty good thing. But when we pulled into a gas station on our road trips, I had one important job, okay? My job when we pulled in to fill gas, I was a little kid at the time, so my job was to go and get one of those cleaning squeegees at the gas station. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you've seen those before. Now, at that time, I did not know that those squeegees and that water was probably dirtier than my windshield, but my job was to get one of those squeegees and, and wipe down the windshield. And I would take that job so seriously. I would scrub and scrub until the windshield was crystal clear. Because my dad had told me, Libin, 
If the windshield is dirty, we can't really see the road that well. We need to be able to see the road clear. We need visibility on the road. And so after we've driven four or five hours, you got to help me by cleaning the windshield. Because the dirtier the windshield, the less we could actually see. See, I think James is saying in this passage that as we go through life, knowingly or unknowingly, we begin to collect dirt on our heart. We begin to go through hurtful times or even sinful moments and hard moments and we're tempted in different ways. And, and if we're not careful, our heart b- gets a little covered in filth, in, in disappointments, in other things. And what happens throughout the duration of time is that we have a low visibility of God. So James says when you come to him to see him, begin with a clean heart. Let God rinse your heart. Let him purify you. Jesus, the half-brother of James, put it in these words in Matthew 5 when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you've got a clean heart, when God's purified your heart, you've got an open eye to see your God. So in the midst of this pandemic, let me ask you this question. How is your visibility of God right now in this moment? How is your visibility of God? Can you see him? Can you sense him? Do you hear his voice? Can you see what God is up to? Or has so much fear and anxiety and worry crept in and has hindered your vision of seeing God? Take some time during the season to scrub out your heart. See, the Bible is not something we look at. It's something we look through. We look through the pages of Scripture to see God. We look through this window into the glory of God, into the wonder of God, into his majesty. So this week, would you take a few moments and ask yourself, man, how's my heart? Has things happened to to, to hinder my vision of God? Have there been habits that have formed or maybe relationships or people even that are unhealthy in my life that maybe I need to be permanently quarantined from? Other bitterness or grief or just some hatred towards somebody or a group of people that I need God to clean me of. How's your visibility in your heart towards God? If you're like me and your heart prone, is prone to wandering, here's a prayer that I pray often when I come to God's word. Psalm 119, verse 36, the psalmist says, God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. The psalmist is saying, my heart is prone to wonder. It's prone to turn in the other direction of God. So God, will you turn my heart to your testimonies, to your word, to your character? Will you incline my heart to you and not to myself or to any selfish gain? Will you turn my heart to you? So as you come to God's word, the voice of God, Come with a clean heart. Second of all, James says, come with an open mind. Come with an open mind. Notice how the rest of the verse goes, verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God planted in your hearts. Humbly accept the word of God which has been planted in your heart. Have you ever met somebody that you disagreed with and you knew you were right but they were wrong but they didn't know they were wrong? Of course we all have. And no matter what you said, no matter how convincing you were for their own good, they wouldn't listen to you. They were so stubborn and unwilling to hear a new idea. So what do you do? You walk away. You change the topic because you don't want to waste your time on somebody who's completely closed off. 
A lot of times we do the same thing with God. God's got an amazing plan for you. His word is life to you. It soothes your soul. But our minds are so closed off. See, there are three mindsets you can take when you come to the word of God. Three attitudes, three mindsets you can have. The first one is this. We can live above the word of God, which means that our word is superior to God's word. We live above the word of God. Second of all, we can live beside the word of God, which means our word is equal to God's word. So we're willing to hear him out. But at the end of the day, we are really making the decision because it's of the same weight and our word is equal to his word. Or the third option is we can live under the word of God, which means that our word is surrendered to God's word. Our opinions yield to the word of God. And this is what James is saying when he invites us to humbly accept the word of God. He said, come under the word of God. You may not like it, it may not be your preference, but will you yield your word and humbly accept the word of God? Jesus put it in Mark 4 when Jesus was explaining the four kind of soils. There was the, the hard soil and the shallow soil and the thorny soil. But then there was the fertile, the good soil. Seeds were equally sown into all four kinds of soil. But only the fertile, the good soil brought about fruit. You notice what Jesus said in Mark 4.20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Wow. That's the good soil that hears God's word, that humbly accepts the word of God. The fertile soil is a humble soul. The fertile soil is a humble soul that says, God, I'm open. My heart is wide open to you. My mind is open to you. Whatever you say, I've already decided to yield to your word. Here's Psalm 119, verse 18. Another prayer that I pray often when I feel like my mind is hindered from seeing God. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. God, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths that are good for me, that are for my benefit, the wonderful truths in your instructions. Now, I know we've got a lot of our students, our, our, our Sugar Creek students watching. I want to get your attention for just a moment. You're in an amazing season of life as a middle schooler or high schooler where you are beginning to study God's word. And this is an exciting time because you are self-feeding the word of God. And I want to just give you four questions that I think will help you open your mind. Anytime you come to a passage of scripture, anytime you open up God's words, these four questions will open up your mind. The first one is this. What is this passage teaching me about God? What is it revealing to me about who God is, his nature, his character? Second of all, what is this passage teaching me about myself? You're not just an observer in the story. You're a participant. You are in the story of Scripture. So what is it showing you about yourself, your heart, your mindset, your attitude? Third of all, what is this passage talking about the sins that I need to avoid or confess what sins are there in this passage that the scripture writer is highlighting that I'm prone to, that I need to either avoid or confess. And lastly, what promise or command is there for me to obey? A promise to cling to, a command to obey. When you ask these questions, these inductive questions in the scripture, man, you would be amazed at how the scriptures come to life and how it opens up and God speaks to you and to me. 
So we come with a clean heart, with an open mind. And lastly, James says, we come to God's word with ready hands. With ready hands. Notice verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Don't just listen to God's word. You must be a people of action. You must do what God's word has said. Now, children, our Creek kids, we've heard from your parents that you did an amazing job last week of memorizing the key verse for last Sunday, which was James 1, verse 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I've heard from your parents that you did a great job. So here's a new challenge for you. Are you ready for this? I want you to memorize James chapter 1, verse 22. Okay, James 1, 22. It's pretty simple. It goes like this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. I've got an idea. How about you find some creative ways to memorize this verse and maybe sometime later in the week, maybe let's just say Thursday, maybe your parents can post you memorizing and saying this verse on their social media page so that we can just celebrate with you. Maybe if your parents don't have a Facebook page, they can just send it to one of our staff. Maybe send it to Mr. Jeff Land in our children's ministry. Let's blow up his email with just our children saying and reciting these words. We have to be action-oriented people. We need to have an open mind. We need to have a clean heart. But we also need to have ready hands that are ready and willing to do what God has said. You've heard the statement that knowledge is power. That's true. But if knowledge is never accompanied with action, knowledge is actually very useless. If knowledge is never followed up with action and doing, knowledge becomes useless. I really believe that Satan, our enemy, he doesn't really care or he doesn't really mind if Christians know the Bible, what he minds is if Christians actually obey the Bible. He doesn't mind if you go to one Bible study after another and you are growing in knowledge. He doesn't mind that as long as you never put the Bible to action. But it's when we start doing the scriptures and applying the word of God with ready hands in our life that we become a threat to the enemy. And James says when we hear God's word and do not do it, we actually fool ourselves or deceive ourselves because we think we've done all that we needed to do. Well, I can click, check the box, I'm done. But we're actually fooling ourselves. Uh, our daughter Avery, who's about to be four, like in a month and a half, it just blows my mind. Uh, sometimes when we come to correct Avery and she's done something wrong, and we said, Avery, that's not right, you did something wrong, she'll be so quick to say, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Or, Mommy, I'm so sorry. And she's gotten so good at this. I mean, seriously, she will burst into tears and say, I'm so sorry. But this is how I know if she really is. I'll ask her, Avery, what are you sorry for? What do you feel bad about? Sometimes she knows, but a lot of times she doesn't know. And if she doesn't know, it simply means that, guess what? She's probably going to do it again. She felt bad, but didn't know how to change her action. A lot of times when we read scriptures, we get emotionally convicted, but it stops there. We never actually change the course of our action. But let me tell you this, true conviction changes what we do, not just how we feel. True conviction changes what we do, not just how we feel. It changes the course of our action so that we become a different kind of people. It changes our perspective, not just our feeling, but how we live is different because we are doers of the word of God. 
So this week, come to God's word. You've got a lot of news on your phone, on your computer, on your apps. You've got a lot of news. But come to the word of God as well. Come with a clean heart, an open mind, and ready hands. In fact, Don mentioned this earlier. We've made Right Now Media completely free of access to you. So fill out that connect card. There's, it's like the Christian Netflix. It's filled with Bible studies and stories for your kids and so many amazing programs. We've made that available to you. Maybe you've got some downtime. Maybe you're not driving to work or having to drive home in traffic. Use those moments to study God's word. And let's be doers of the word of God. Take this posture you got two headlines to listen to. Listen also to the word of God. Now what happens when we do? What's the benefit of hearing and obeying God's word? James says that first of all, God's word will rescue us. God's word will rescue us. James 1.21, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God which has been planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. It's got the power to save your souls. The word James uses here for save is the word um, rescue from harm or to, or to rescue from a bad decision. And the word soul in the Greek here is the word psyche, which in the Greco-Roman world meant your mind, your will, and your emotions. So James is not just saying that God's word will save you from hell and take you into heaven, or it's not just talking about salvation in the ultimate form. It's talking about God's word rescuing your emotions. Rescuing your willpower, rescuing your mind. Let I me mean, think about it during this crazy time. How prone are we to make decisions out of fear? How prone are we to be emotionally exhausted and even in bondage to our feelings? One of the saddest articles I read a few weeks ago was how during the coronavirus season, they've seen a spike, an increase in child abuse. Because parents are so stressed out, they're emotionally exhausted, and they've lost the willpower to be self-controlled, and now they're harming their children. But God's word, if you come to it daily, if you come to it with an open mind, a clean heart, ready hands, it rescues you from losing control. Maybe you're watching and you already have dealt with anxiety or depression, and now that's just exponentially increased, and understandably so. I believe today with all my heart that God's word can and will rescue you. I love this passage that I've held on to in Psalm 94, verse 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. When my anxiety multiplies, and we've been through that, all of us, whether you started here or here, all of us have multiplied in our anxiety. But when my anxiety multiplies within me, your word, your consolation delights my soul. Notice this translation. When I worried about many things, your assuring words soothed my soul. Soothed. My soul. Do you need soothing in your soul? God's word can rescue you. Do you need clarity in your confusion? God's word can rescue you. Maybe you're caught in sin or in some guilt. God's word will lead you to confession and forgiveness so that you can be free. God's word is so liberating. And today it wants to set you free. So James goes on like this. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, this is a good law, this is a good book, this is a good word, 
It has the power to set you free. This book will set you free. No wonder why President Woodrow Wilson at the turn of the 20th century said these words about the scriptures. He said, I feel sorry for people who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and of the pleasure, of the pleasure, of the joy. It is one of the most singular books in the world for every time you open it, some old text that you have read a score of times suddenly beams with a new meaning. There is no other book that I know of of which this is true. There is no other book that yields its meaning so personally that seems to fit itself so intimately to the very spirit that is seeking its guidance. If you seek the guidance of the word of God, if you passionately pursue his word, it fits so personally and intimately to what you're going through and actually rescues you. The majority of our world has rejected God's word and has neglected God's authority. And into that vacuum today, we see chaos that stepped in. We see disorder and brokenness. But I believe, church family, that if we come back to loving God's word, cherishing it, speaking it, loving it, declaring it, and if the nations today would come back and live under the word of God, would God not have mercy? Would he not rescue our world with and through his word? I so believe so. God's word every time will rescue your soul. The second thing and the last thing James says is that God's word will increase our joy. He will increase our joy. For if you listen to the word of God, verse 23, if you listen to the word of God and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you. He will bless you for doing it. The word for bless here is the same word that Jesus used in the beatitude. And this word bless means happiness, true fulfillment, a satisfaction that is not conditional on circumstance. It means joy, a deep fulfillment that cannot be shaken. You long for this. I long for a joy, a meaning, a fulfillment that can't be shaken. And here James is saying, God promises you. That when you read his word and do what it says, he blesses you. He increases your joy. I know there are times that I made dumb decisions that I knew was not right according to God's word. And every single time I did, I regretted it. I wish I had not done so. Oh, I know, don't look so holy at me. I am imagining you have too. But there were moments that we've made decisions that were hard. That came at a cost, at a price. But every time we made a decision in alignment with God's word, what happened? We had peace. We had this indescribable joy. Maybe not immediately, but at some point in our journey, God blessed it. He brought joy. Today, when you hear and do God's word, he gives you the abundance of peace and joy. James is closing out this passage with a powerful illustration He said, when you listen to God's word and you do what it says, it's like looking at the mirror. And you, well, when you look at God's word and don't do what it said, it's like looking at a mirror and forgetting your face and just going right 
about your day and never doing anything about it. Now, I know you're probably working from home unless you're one of those essential employees or unless you're a healthcare worker, but one day you're going to be back in the office and maybe you're thinking, I thought I liked working from home until now. I'm so ready to get back in the office. But let's imagine your first day going back to work with all your coworkers. You walk by the mirror in the morning and you realize you've got strawberry jam on your face. And then you keep on going. And you go to work with jam on your face and your coworkers come to you and say, hey, sir or ma'am, you've got jam on your face. And you will say, oh, you're right. And you keep on going. A couple hours later, they come to you again and said, sir, you've got jam on your face. And you say, oh, yeah, I think I remembered that. You're right. I saw that this morning. They would think you're foolish. Because why? The mirror always calls for a response. They might think you've just been eating jam every hour of the day or that you're just not seeing what you actually see in the mirror. None of us would do that. We wouldn't find ourselves in that scenario because the mirror always, every day, calls for a response. The mirror don't lie. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much money you have, what your title is, what your position is. The mirror is truthful. And every time we look at the mirror, Multiple times a day, it calls for a response. So James is saying the word of God is the mirror. And when we look at this word into this mirror, God calls for a response. And so isn't it so foolish not to do with what we've seen in the mirror? And this mirror will not accommodate to fit you. But it calls you, it challenges you to accommodate, to change, to fit what you see in the mirror. What is it that you have seen in God's word already that you have yet to respond to? What have you heard God say? What have you seen in his word that is still waiting a response? This week, don't walk by the mirror and do nothing. Look at it and respond. There are so many passages of scripture that I've been using as a mirror and I printed one of those passages out because I need to be reminded and challenged through the word of God, not just everything else I hear. And one of those passages that I've actually printed out today and I'm gonna put on my mirror is Psalm 112, verse six through nine. Psalm 112, it's a passage I'm holding on to these days. Psalm 112, verse six through nine. So let me look at the mirror of God's word. It says this, those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. They, their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Wow, what a mirror, what a passage in these moments. I read that and I thought to myself, of course I'm afraid of bad news. I mean, I'm constantly refreshing my news feed, looking for the next bad news. But this passage says, I am not to be afraid of bad news. Those who are confident in God, those who trust God, do not fear bad news. And I begin to think, God, how can I be changed by this? How can this mirror respond in my life? What can I do in response? And this is what the Lord impressed on my heart. He said this, Libin, you do not fear bad news because Jesus has already overturned the worst news. You don't have to fear bad news because the worst news has already been overturned. Let me tell you, friend, the worst news is not a virus or a pandemic. 
The verse, the worst news that we could have ever heard was that we were so guilty of sin, far from God, and we were doomed. We had to pay the consequence of our sin, which was eternal death and separation from God. We were so broken, we couldn't save ourselves. Nothing we do could have ever worked. That's the worst news, but guess what? There is good news in the Word of God. Because this book tells me that Jesus, God himself, came down and walked in my shoes. He took on sin. He took on my sin, my guilt, your shame, your sin. And he died the death that we couldn't die. And three days later, he rose from the grave, triumphant over sin and death and the grave. And today, if you place your faith in him, there is no news that's worse than that news which has already been forgiven. Because today, if you place your faith in Jesus, we stand righteous on the account of Christ. And today, if you turn your heart toward him, he applies the work of the cross on your behalf so that you've already got the best news that's overturned the worst news. You are saved and your eternity is secure. That's why today, church, that in the midst of pandemics and calamity and distress, we don't have to be afraid of any news because Jesus has already turned around the worst news on our behalf. Therefore, we are confident because our hope is not in this world. Our hope isn't in something, it's in someone. Our hope is unshakable because we remain confident in him. Therefore, we are generous. We give freely because if we know who we are in Christ, we have far more to give than we have to get. We have so much more to give to a world that's broken, that's scared, that's worried. So my challenge to you, church family, is that as we tune our hearts in the word of God every day this week, let's let our faith rise. Let's let our faith spread faster than our fear. Let's let our hope spread deeper than our despair. And let's let the word of God, the good news of Jesus, and the hope of Christ fill the environments that you are in. Because this is what happens when we take a look at this news. So watch your news, but take a deeper look at this one. Check out your news app, but watch God. Watch what he's doing and yield your heart to him. Would you bow your heads with me? Wherever you're at, whatever condition you're in, whatever is going on right now, would you just still your heart? Maybe there's some of you on the other side of this screen right now. Man, you're far from God, and you're still under the worst news of your sin. And of your guilt, today I'm asking you, would you come to God with an open heart? Say, God, here I am. I messed up. I sinned. I'm far from you. Save me. The moment you do that, God is faithful to his promise to save you. And church family, wherever you're at today, let's commit our heart to hearing from the word of God above and beyond every other news. James says, this is how we thrive. Not just barely make it, not just survive but actually thrive in a hostile world. Let's look and lean in and listen and obey the word of God. Maybe you're here and you're far from God. I want to just lead you in a prayer that I believe if you pray earnestly with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and you acknowledge you're a sinner today, that this can save you. Would you pray this prayer with me if you're far from God? Jesus, I turn my heart to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And Jesus, you are my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead to so take my sins and forgive them. 
Make me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just pray for you one more time, church family. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts to listen to your word today. Change us, transform us by the hearing of your word. We love you. We thank you. May we be found faithful in this season that we are in to be not just listeners but doers of the life-giving word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we are dismissed in this moment and go about our day this week, I want to just remind you we have an amazing mission. We've got a call that we are passionate about. This is why we exist, Sugar Creek. Our mission, church, is to love and lead all people to life change in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.